1: Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, friendo, Steve here. Ed Larson. And welcome back to Matt Chat, the pro wrestling show where we, uh, the pro wrestling roundtable talk show with very much a square table where we discuss pro wrestling topics that we debate. Man, I've got so many great ideas for what the final form of match chat. Where we should discuss these ideas. Gonna, no, listen. I'm gonna, you're going to hand the show off to me? Well, you could do the predict, like this stuff where you like, actually listen to video questions and then write down, you know. So the busy work. Yeah, the busy work. But then the theatrics. The production again,
2: I think leave that be, to me. I think this should all be discussed. I mean, it shouldn't Listen, be a unilateral. You're gonna think. be, I'm gonna blow it all up. You're gonna be blown away. I'm so tired of this blow it all up I'm
1: garbage. Blow it all up, Larson. That's like a stern. You're gonna blow it up. Listen, man. Oh, it's gonna be so good.
2: Are you thinking sepia tone, uh, gradient
1: overlay? I don't go
3: that
2: far, but mm-hmm. some coral. Oh, it's gonna be good. Coral filter. I mean, I, this all stuff we talk about. It, this stuff I could do. What is coral?
1: No, but listen, it has to be under the, 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 the supervision of an auteur. Oh, God. Yeah, you heard me right. It's going to be good. I, and I can only, I have to be hands-on. I'll take it over. It'll give you more ch- time to program other things. Uh, we're also available on the Patreon at patreon.com. Like i head not going to hand
2: anything over to you until you produce this endlessly burning cigarette you on the set.
1: <laughs> until that
2: happens, you get nothing.
1: It's a fakey. It's not real. You're not going to actually, it's not going to be That's not
2: real. my concern. You said you want a thing, a cigarette, that's burning the entire time. Here. And then you have yet to produce it. You have yet to tell me how we can do that without using an actual cigarette, which I don't want to be around for an hour straight.
1: There's, there's nothing to it. It's fake. Well,
2: let's see it. It's fake. Let's see it. Make it happen. Have, I don't have it with me If here. you're such an auteur, let's see it. Let's see your vision made manifest here on the table. Don't you trust me. I just feel like we should discuss things. Don't you
1: trust me? I feel like we should... Do you trust me? Tell me you trust me. you trust me. For the most part. Do you trust me? For the most part. Do you trust me? <sighs> Tell me you're my friend. <laughs> Listen up. We're on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. And in fact, our $20 a month and up patrons, we love them so much because they give us so much money. And uh, in return, uh, they are featured here on Matt Chat. Even, even the video questions, I have a great idea for Again, let's discuss it. Put them all through Snapchat filters. Uh, no. The doggy thing? No, no. Absolutely not. No? All right. If that's your vision, then you can take that vision to your channel. You know what? That was a test. It was a joke. It was a test. Sure. All right. right. So, anyways. Uh, and so, we have another great slew of questions from our uh, $20 and up patrons. Of course, you, too, can be a part of Matt Chat, part of the show for $20 a month on patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen larson um we've got a bunch of great questions we're yeah. in the lead up to survivor series right now we are and uh we've got some great questions sort of surrounding that kind of stuff and other things so let's kick it off with zach parks yes Docs. first let's, let's see what do
2: it zach has to say, has to say. Yeah. g'day friendos it's the dan undertaker zach parks here with another video debate question i'm just going to keep it quick as you guys have asked for um It's a pretty simple one. I've been thinking about heel turns recently, so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, Stephen Larson, pick whichever side you want. um, Which heel turn would be more effective long-term and which would have more of an impact straight away as well? Finn Balor or Jason Jordan? I think uh, we all know Jason Jordan can wrestle really well, so I think a heel turn would be a really good way to help him find a character. And Finn Balor, obviously, with New Japan, does really well as a heel, so you guys let me know. Uh, which your turn would you
3: think would be more effective short-term and long-term? Cheers, friendos. Catch up.
2: Thank you, Zach Parks.
1: Thank you, Zach Parks. Um, It's Jason Jordan. It is plainly Jason Jordan. As much as I loved tweener Finn Balor, bullet club Finn Balor, I'm sorry, Prince Devitt in bullet club in New Japan, I think that aspect of his personality would be great to see right now. Jason Jordan desperately needs something to make anyone care about him. The fact of the matter is, he's one of the best pure wrestlers on the roster. He might be served by giving him, and I, I, I by giving him a Dean Malenko type personality, which is like anti personality. Yeah. Because here's the thing: people love the Iceman because he was so he was all about business. If Jason Jordan stopped that sort of wide-eyed, ah, gee, golly kind of thing that he's doing, then I think he might have a better chance than what they're going with right now. Um, Barring that, a heel turn, if they need to give him some sort of character, which they desperately need to do, a heel turn for Jason Jordan right now, given that he already has the physical tools, the wrestling tools, um, the look, given that he already has all that, I liken this, and this is a, a pretty big quantum leap in terms of, comparisons, but if you remember a young man who came out in 2002 on an episode of SmackDown uh, to challenge Kurt Angle, to answer a Kurt Angle challenge, John Cena, he had almost the exact same outfit that Jason Jordan currently sports with just the, the bright neon uh, spandex uh, trunk, shorts, rather. Um, he came out and he said, I'm all about ruthless aggression. <clears throat> and he was quickly going Nowhere until he busted out some vanilla ice rhymes or some crap on a Halloween episode of SmackDown, and then he transitioned into the Doctor of Thugonomics uh, doing, you know, sort of the, the jerseys and shorts yeah. and, uh, and, and uh, pump up shoes gimmick. And that propelled him to superstardom. I don't think that Jason Jordan can quite match that level of success. However, um, he needs that type of heel turn that could transition into tweener. Um, and, and yeah, I, I de- definitely think... Right now, Finn Balor, he's already over. He is already over. They're, they don't need to do anything with him to continue his, uh, his run of being supremely over. Uh, I do think a heel turn could probably take him to the next level. But in terms of who needs it more now... Who would it be more effective for now? For Jason Jordan, it would be a sea change for him and a much-needed one because this whole Kurt Angle-Son thing is going nowhere quickly. Jason Jordan's the right answer.
2: Um, There was uh, two aspects to Zach Park's question. One was, of course, short-term who would benefit more. Secondly, long-term who would benefit more. Here's the thing. Uh, Short-term, yes, Jason Jordan turning keel would help him, would benefit him because he needs to do something. He needs some dimension to his character. Mm -hmm. But who knows if that short-term boost of momentum would translate into any uh, semblance of long-term success. It could be a a heel turn that goes nowhere. We don't know that. We don't know how he can handle a real heel turn. We don't know these things. But we do know, we have evidence of how Finn Balor can handle a heel heel turn, and it's produced marvelous results in New Japan as the leader of Bullet Club. We have a mountain of evidence to support this that, Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, was a good heel. A great heel. Great heel. Great heel. So this is what you do. Finn is incredibly marketable now, especially his demon persona. What? I have notes. I, want, I was hoping you'd write him in mean, No. You can't cheat. from my notes, not ours. Oh I goodness. have a vision. I'm fulfilling my vision. So much anger. It's been a long day. A difficult day. Do you trust me?
1: All right, continue.
2: Anyways. Uh, Finn right now, especially his demon persona, is exceptionally marketable. So it, 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 it's not going to be a, a heel turn that's going to happen anytime soon. It's going to be another year or so, two years probably, before this will happen. Again, I'm talking long-term, not just short-term. So what you do, great face run, uh, uh, it, which makes his heel turn all the more shocking. He takes Gallows. He takes Carl Anderson, reforms a Bullet Club-esque faction that runs roughshod over Raw. Bring all that back. Get as close to calling the Bullet Club as you can. I don't care. They did that before. Um, That's money. Huge, huge, huge money. And it would be awesome. And it could be a scenario where Finn has an awesome face turn, face run, sorry, turns heel, has an awesome heel run, gets so popular because of his awesome work as a heel, he can have an even more incredible, more impactful face run. So if you're looking long-term... Finn Balor is the right answer. He absolutely is. Because we've seen evidence that he can do it. We haven't seen that with Jason Jordan yet. And uh, if if how creative has handled Jason Jordan thus far is any indication, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them writing a decent storyline for Jason Jordan. Um, Finn Balor, just this last week on Raw, during the uh, post-match brawl with Samoa Joe, uh, he showed a level of intensity you haven't seen from him in a while. And that's something that's not up to creative per se. That's something Finn brings to the table, I'm guessing, himself. He knows when he needs to turn it on. And uh, a, a, an awesome heel run for Finn Balor would actually give him a real opportunity to show off more of his personality, what we saw, which we saw in New Japan. And we haven't seen a ton of so far during his time as face Finn in WWE. So Finn Balor, if we're looking, uh, uh, you know, from a distance, macro, not a microcosm, macrocosm. Finn Balor is the correct answer. Money. Let me ask you What?
1: <clears throat>
2: Triple H
1: seems to be the guy who had his eyes on Finn Balor, yeah. bringing in guys like Cam, Kevin Steen. Do you
2: think uh, Vince McMahon watches New Japan Pro Wrestling?
1: No, not at all. No. <laughs> he might January 4th.
2: Um, isn't it interesting that
1: seeing what Finn Balor did in New Japan, he brought over Finn Balor to NXT and didn't have him do any of the Finn Balor personality stuff.
3: I mean, I
2: could see I mean Finn he's 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 he exudes cool. He's a handsome guy. Uh, uh especially uh, the demon uh, gimmick as we've seen is extremely marketable. I can see the ingredients there where you see we see uh, Fergil Devitt and think, "Oh man, he's going to be a huge face."
1: I see that. Yeah, but it's just interesting to me He's a good-looking young guy. He looks like nobody else. He did demon-esque things. Yeah, he, he would did the, dress up, the, body the Joker, paint. the yeah. body paint, stuff like that. You could do that. You could do the demon gimmick with kind of anybody. Maybe Triple H's vision was this guy looks so cool, he could be a supremely overfaced by doing this demon thing. Maybe Triple H did think this guy could be another Undertaker. He could be the real successor of the Undertaker, not Bray Wyatt, but Finn Balor. Yeah. I could kind of get that. But seeing his heel work in New Japan, he's such a riveting character who could be... Not just a tweener, but a supremely over with that same attitude that he had. Yeah, yeah. It's they, surprising yeah, that know, he didn't bring
2: that over, too. I know. There was, even back in his XT days, there wasn't a whole lot of dimension to the face. I mean, Balor that was the knock you had yeah. on him, was that you didn't see a lot
1: of dimension there. But then you go back and look at him in New Japan, and he's got this. It's, it's like part hooligan, if you will, part thug, if you will. Um. Just villainous type guy that has. I mean, he. And he looks like kind of a crazy guy. Like yeah, when, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. when his eyes get really wide, yeah, he yeah. looks kind of like a. And
2: that is a recipe for a
1: megastar. Yeah, I don't know
2: why they, they, they they've yet to explore that.
1: Kind of interesting. Curious to know if there is an answer there. If Triple H just saw him and said, "Hey, you know what? There are elements here that I think can be a massively over guy." I'm not sure that scary stuff, like the because the personality stuff is the scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, You know the kind of stuff that he was doing back then. Um, you know, put I mean, putting your head up against somebody and acting like your ex. That was pretty dark. Yeah, know. but obviously WWE is not gonna be doing that kind of stuff. Now, absolutely. It's just interesting to me they never did that. Um I think the is somewhere in between. I, I, I agree with your point that the WWE that we don't know what Jason Jordan would be like as a heel. Um and uh and I agree with the Finn Balor stuff, but with Jason Jordan, Finn Balor they already have a property that they
2: know Oh, I know is money. Jason Jordan but there is there is a, a tried and true recipe, a formula for and granted it doesn't work for everybody for Catapulting someone into greater success, we've mm-hmm. seen it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. countless times. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the awesome heel run that is eventually embraced by the crowd, mm-hmm. which leads to a huge face run.
1: I just, I you, you have to wonder though, in the short term, how would a crowd right now, knowing Finn Balor going, let's, let's say you they know Finn right Balor now. going to NXT, you couldn't, you couldn't do it right now with Finn. You couldn't do it. How yet.
2: would you do it? Like, would you wait until he got stale? No, you'd have to wait till right before he got stale.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what
2: you'd have to do. You can't do it right now. Yeah, need another year or two.
1: Boy, the crowd would really have to, and you'd really have to. You'd have to emphasize. You'd have to say, "Listen, you have to bring that personality that we saw in New Japan, minus the execution stuff. Bring that out a hundred, like a hundred percent, and people eventually really want to love that. Like they, they yeah, love yeah, to but, oh, hate I'm you. Oh, sure, right I'm sure. I'm sure Ben
2: completely gets it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he understands the appeal of that gimmick. Yeah. Um, I wonder if a part of him is disappointed he can't do it yeah the,
1: I I wonder that as well you know it's like you see so much of his personality in his in his social media yeah I wonder if he ever wonders man you know it'd be great if I could just not come out here and just look cool for once I know it'd be great if like one time I can actually come out here and, and just freaking rant the way because we know he's so comfortable on the mic yeah. anyway yeah. so um, anyways good question uh, who's
2: next uh, next is Michael Berry let's see what Michael Barry has to say alright
3: what's going on friend is quick question for the debate. What should the WWE do with Pete Dunne in the United Kingdom Championship right now? Should they just scrap the championship, put him in 205 Live? Should they keep the championship around but let non-UK people challenge for it? Uh, Push him to main, put him in NXT? What is the best possible situation for Pete Dunne right now?
2: Thank you, Michael Berry. Thank
3: you, Michael Berry. So...
2: What should WWE do with Pete Dunne The UK title, Michael Berry asked I'll go first They should uh, uh, add an extra hour to NXT I like that idea Um, So every week, two hours of NXT Mm -hmm. You'll fill that second hour With all the independent talents uh, NXT is signing um, With the new signees from the May Young Classic And especially Competitors from the United Kingdom Tournament Bring them to NXT And here is why Here is why uh, yeah, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven are ready for the main roster now. Here's the thing, though. This is a, a somewhat selfish argument on my part. Okay. I want to see them in, in NXT because I know in NXT they can wrestle to their fullest capabilities. You're going to see them put on amazing matches on a regular basis, which they won't get the opportunity to do on main. And my worry is if they go to main, especially Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, they're going to be shipped to 205 Live, which from a wrestling perspective, it would be an improvement over Raw, but they're going to be stuck on 205 Live without opportunities, potentially, to elevate themselves beyond the show, because it seems like, from every indication we got, that if you're on 205 Live, you're on 205 Live. And you're not going to get to interact with the Raw, rest of the Raw roster a whole lot, if at all. And that's a bummer, because Pete Dunne, especially, is a massive star just waiting to blow up. Huge star. He is a huge star. So I'd much rather see the UK competitors... Go to NXT where they can wrestle awesome matches all the time um, and they have a more direct path, I would hope, to Raw or SmackDown versus just going to 205 Live because that's my worry. I, I want all the wrestlers of WWE, I want them to be given every opportunity to achieve the greatest success they can. And uh, and I don't, I don't know the way 205 Live right now is viewed by Vince. If that's necessarily the case. I think when someone is sent to 205 Live, they're on 205 Live. I don't want that to happen. I say this all the time: crossover between cruiserweight division and everybody else on Raw. I think it would enhance the quality of 205 Live. I think it would uh, uh, give. How did you land in that territory, man? Stick
1: up, to the topic.
2: I am, um, and and it would it would give competitors on 205 Live more opportunities to achieve greater success. Anyways, that's not the case now. Man, they better not put Pete Dunne on 205 Live. Ooh. No, but he, who do he wrestle on Raw? I will riot. Cruiserweight champion. I will and riot. made the point of saying that Pete Dunne weighed 205 pounds. Oh. Did they really make a point? Yep. Another reason, NXT, you're in NXT, not even that, eight months, bring him up to Maine, put the Intercontinental Championship on him, Uh, Trent Seven can win the United Kingdom title, Mm. make it happen.
1: Yeah, all right.
2: NXT is the correct answer.
1: Nah, man, bring him straight up to Maine. I was actually disappointed uh, when, uh, uh, you know, you think about it, and it seems obvious, but I was kind of curious so that little idiot part of me that's hopeful uh saw Pete Dunne show up on Raw and thought maybe they're gonna maybe this is maybe this is just his debut, and they're gonna sweep him along up with the rest and I know that's not gonna happen. I understand that's not gonna happen
2: because we saw during in uh, later on the show that the uh United Kingdom division, yeah, is gonna be on two o five luck but well, i mean he, here's my thing, dude. SmackDown is
1: really good at. Raw can feel very bloated at times. They can get. And lately it's actually been pretty good. But from time to time it can feel a bit like they're, you know, adding some filler stuff. You know, I mean, granted, I know. I love Elias. I love Elias. Him and Jason Jordan's feud doesn't really feel consequ- consequential. 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 Jeez. Put the UK division on Raw. Put Pete Dunne on Raw immediately. They can bring something fresh. They can invade. They can infect the roster with something brand new, with something not seen before. Um, As much as I love NXT, and I completely agree with your point about the wrestling stuff, and in the end that kind of matters the most, but I feel like they have been waiting this long that they need to bypass NXT, go straight to the big main show, go straight to Raw. Pete Dunn looked like a million bucks. He looked like he was ready. He looked like that was his moment coming out on Raw. I'd love to see Trent Seven out there interacting with the other guys on Raw. I'd love to see Tyler Bate there interacting with the other guys on Raw and not on 205 Live. I want to see all that. I think they've waited long enough that NXT is just more waiting for them to get to their eventual point of where they need to be yesterday. And that is on the main roster. That is Raw. I know they've got the Cruiserweight division. They they made such a big deal. Oh, Raw has the Cruiserweight division. Well, the Cruiserweight division has their own show that they don't need to be spotlighting on Raw. Maybe Maybe a match, maybe a recap just to say, hey, 205, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you reconfigure it, but I just the, the it, it to me it's similar to the European Championship back in the day. They need they kind of need another lower division belt or another mid level belt to add to the show. There's too much talent. That's another belt people can use. If Bronze Roman gets that IC title, hold on, that's gonna lock that title I up. I think
2: we've a- answered a question several lists before, and I made that point. And you were like, no. No what? Don't use the, the United Kingdom title as a mid-card belt because people who aren't from the United Kingdom shouldn't win it. You told me that.
1: Right, yeah, but that's probably when I was arguing that the UK title needs to be on its own show. You were? Yeah, I'm fine with that. That was a different show. All right. That was a different day, a different time, All right. and a different answer, Larson. All right. This is my, this is my time now. I'm the game. All right. Um, so anyways, yeah, the, the answer is bring him over to Raw. Honestly, I, like, I'll get my real answer now. I don't know it's NXT. I don't. I, I don't know that it is NXT because here's the thing: these guys aren't. They're too big for NXT, in my opinion. I
2: agree. You I know? agree.
1: They're too. At this point, they're too established. But
2: I feel like at the same time, if they if they go to Raw without having time in NXT to really build up their individual brands, they might get lost in the shuffle. That's okay. Well, worries. hold on a second, though.
1: We haven't explored the other route. Like we're we're keeping it real now. And I think I think you've made your point about NXT, and you've been consistent with that. And I appreciate that. My point was always given the give their own European show. Yeah. And then at that point, the guys who really stand out, bring them up to Maine. They don't need to go up to NXT. That no, I know, be, that, their, would their that, would be that would be
2: the ideal, whether that would happen. Who knows? But, yes, that would be the ideal. So,
1: I mean, the question really is, if you had your druthers, if you were God of WWE, if you were Vince McMahon, all of a sudden, if you were put in that position, yeah. what would you want to see most? And my, my option would be, yeah, do a UK show, the cream of that crop gets brought up through the draft or gets brought up through the regular call ups yep. or whatever. Um and that's how that's the route that you go.
2: I mean if if I were Vince McMahon and, but I, you know, had my sensibilities still, I would see that Pete Dunn especially mm-hmm. is just is just waiting to blow up and I bring up the main right away.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean seeing him on Raw, it just fits so well. Mm-hmm. And
2: I'll ne- I'll always go back
1: to that scenario that we had really hoped would happen when Triple H, Samoa Joe, and and Kevin Owens were going to be the new evolution. evolution. And with Pete Dunne. Oh, that would be incredible. That was some dang good fantasy booking from you and me. I thought that was some really, really good stuff.
2: The one thing I was disappointed by uh, Pete Dunne's appearance on Raw was that he didn't hold the belt by his mouth.
1: Yeah, I know. He
2: didn't come out with the belt in his mouth. Yeah. He
1: just looks so excited to be out there. I know. know. I guess the face Pete Dunne doesn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it makes me sad.
2: I never want. I don't want to see Face Pete done. No, Corey Graves was going on about how miserable he was. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, next up, who do we have next? From Alexander Corrente. Let's see what Alexander has to say. So up, friendos? The question last week seemed to garner pretty good
1: discussion between you guys and the comment section, actually. So this week I'm going to stick to the same theme: who was better, Ric Flair or the
2: Undertaker? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Alexander. All
1: right. Well, uh, look, it's the Undertaker. The Undertaker. I I, I argued this when I uh, when we talked about who should yeah based on credentials go to the Hall of Fame first. Who has more, more priority, The Rock or the Undertaker? It's the Undertaker. The man's been around since what was it 91? 91? Well, WWF, yeah. Yeah, WWE. Yeah, WB, that's WB, what I'm talking about. WWE wrestled
2: WCW before his, that. Yeah, no, but come on.
1: His legacy. Hey, don't
2: discount the impact His of Mean
1: Mark Callis. Legacy in the WWE, which is now the biggest promotion in the world. He's been doing it ever since then. He's probably going to do it again at WrestleMania. He could have gone to the Hall of Fame five years ago, ten years ago, even. Um, Rick Flair, when he showed up in the WWF in 1991, <coughs> 1992, 91, 92, whatever it was. Was it was it the Rumble ninety two? I don't know what it That's was.
2: not what no, it was. No, that's what he won. He won the belt,
1: yeah, but his debut was in ninety one. Yeah. Right. When that happened, some people didn't even know who Ric Flair was. Because they're like, what is W C the NWA? What is that? What the what the what? What the hell is that? You sack of potatoes? Nobody knows who that was. So and then he was only there for eighteen months. And then he was back to WC, WCW. You know what I mean? He wasn't even really there. And then when he did show up for a second time, we're not just talking about WWE, WWF. We're talking about who's better, period. Um, the Undertaker, because no. he did it for a lot longer. I, I kind of think this is Ric Flair. It is Ric Flair. <laughs> that is the right
2: answer. Ric Flair is one of the greatest wrestlers of okay, all
1: no, time. Okay, now listen, I'm going to keep going, though. Yes, go ahead. I'm going to keep going. Ric Flair doesn't have any legacy, like a streak like The Undertaker did at WrestleMania. The Undertaker was above everything. He was above brand, above company, above everything. And to this day when people say his name, Ric Flair, he'd lose to everybody. How many times he lost so often? Undertaker didn't do that very often. He didn't lose very often. The answer is Ric Flair. Go ahead. Talk about Ric Flair. We're about to watch
2: that 30 for 30 tonight. Yeah, we are. Uh... I can go on and on. I can tell them an hour long podcast why Ric Flair is way better than pretty much anybody.
1: I love Ric Flair, man, because Ric Flair, Flair is great. Uh, also, he lived the gimmick. He Undertaker,
2: did. I don't think you can
1: live that gimmick unless you did. Like
2: Undertaker, to his credit, lived it to the best he could. Well, every, every, yeah, both, he
1: never broke character, huh? That's
2: what I mean. Yeah. Uh, speaking of legacy, 16 time at least world champion Ric Flair, depending on uh, how the count is. Oh, at least 16, yeah, 16 it could low be 18, number, yeah. or it could be in the I think, 20s. I
1: think he'd be like 25.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, which is the most ever, mm-hmm. uh, uh, involved in some classic rivalries against Steamboat, Dusty, Terry Funk. Listen, Harley Race, baby. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Sting. Ric Flair. Survived, RoboCop. Yes. Survived the plane crash. Yeah. And he was struck by lightning. Yeah. He survived both those things. Was he actually struck by lightning? Yes. I don't remember that part. Um, and he recently survived the health which said that he had like a 20% chance of living. And we were on Ric Flair RIP watch. Yep.
1: And he's back, and he's probably going to making his return. I think he's supposed to be coming back at Starcade, isn't he? Yep. He's
2: supposed to make an appearance at Starcade. Yeah. Um, and, and if you asked people who became wrestlers, who watched wrestling in the 70s and especially the 80s, it seems to me that a lot of people, yeah, they understood the influence of Hulk Hogan on the industry. But if you ask them who their favorite wrestler was, it seems like a majority of the time it's Ric Flair. I don't know if there's been a wrestler who who's been more influential on other wrestlers as Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, and countless more I could list, I can go on and on and on. Ric Flair is the correct answer. Ric Flair, in
1: my book, might be the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Yeah, I think he is because that dude was putting on five star matches. That dude was the best talker there's ever been.
2: Yep. And the thing about in in his early days, especially in the late 70s and the first half of the 80s at least, the schedule he was doing, wrestling seven days a week, eight matches a week, hour-long time limit draws a lot of time, his job as champion was to go to these various territories and make their top guy look great so that territory could draw. And... From all accounts, he did that just as well, if not better than anybody else.
1: And people really believed Ric Flair. Like, back then, people really thought, I don't know, I don't honestly know, like, if people thought it was real or not. That's a fascinating question to me, by the way, because my dad talks about going to the shows that they're putting on out here, I think it was AWA, Um, used to put shows here on the West Coast, um or big time, I forget what it was, but Pat Patterson. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, he was Cow Palace. Yeah, exactly. Um, and at the Memorial mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. Um And I asked him, I was like, did you ever think it was, did anybody think it was real? He was like, I never thought it was real. So, And that was back in like the 70s. Yeah. So, But you look at some of that stuff in the South and some of the NWA stuff with Ric Flair, and it's like either those people were so into the show Or they thought it was real. Some of the reactions to some of those matches made me think, some of these people think it was real, you know? And maybe they did. And, hey, credit to the wrestlers for making it look real. Yeah. But holy crap, you know? And the (laughs) the reaction that Flair would get.
2: Oh, he was, because partially he lived his Mm -hmm. gimmick. He he was was so believable. Convincing. Entirely convincing. Yeah. No, the correct answer is Ric Flair. Yeah, the correct answer is Ric
1: Flair. Look, here's the thing. This is Matt Chat, and we can try to debate topics that our good patrons are
2: asking us to debate but at the end of the day we can only we can only go so far if you ask the undertaker who was better undertaker or rick flair what do you think the undertaker would say oh rick flair yeah exactly yeah all right uh who's up next next from jason balderson let's do what jason has to say
3: hey there friendos it's your good friend jay here all the way from rainy hartleypool england with my first ever video question So I've been watching a lot of
1: content on the WWE Network recently, and there's a lot of great stuff on there, as we all know.
3: It got me to thinking, what do you guys think is the greatest wrestling show ever? Personally, I'm a big fan of WrestleMania 17, as are a lot of people.
1: I was wondering what you guys think is the best one. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: Thank you, Jason. Thank you very
1: much. Uh, The answer is... uh, Wait, who goes first? You do. Okay, the answer is WrestleMania 18. Look at this card. Look at WrestleMania do you remember, uh, why am I having problems freaking typing right now? I don't know. Do you remember that crap invasion pay-per-view where it was supposed to be WCW versus yeah. WWE? Yeah, it's up, called Invasion. Know, yeah, invasion. that's what I said, the crappy invasion angle pay-per-view thing. Yeah, but the pay-per-view was crazy. That wasn't the real invasion. Invasion. The biggest storyline in the history of modern pro wrestling was WWF versus WCW. Yeah. Because it was real. Yeah. It played out in ratings. It played out in the hearts of the fans who would win this ultimately. And ultimately, the WWE, as we all know, won. Yeah. However, if you look at WrestleMania 18, look at this card. Well, I can't see it. You have to read it. DDP versus Christian. That was when DDP was doing his That was for the uh, European title. Correct, yeah. DDP was doing the... Motivational stuff. Yeah, RVD. Look at this lineup. RVD versus William Regal. Maven versus Goldust. I don't know. That's you nice. It probably have started from the bottom and went to the top. I'm building up. Bottom, no, You got you to end with your best. Kurt Angle versus Kane. Whatever. Undertaker, speaking of which. Undertaker versus Ric Flair, which featured a run-in from Arn Anderson, and who delivered a spine buster. Yeah. That was a good match. A pitch perfect. That was a great match. That was a fantastic match. Edge versus Booker T. Ooh. Tell me that ain't a dream match That's right good. there. That's fantastic. Steve Austin versus the NWO. Oh, Scott Hall. I know, but Kevin Nash was out there, and granted the match wasn't what everybody had really hoped for, But, iconically, if you just think about it, Stone Cold versus the NWO, two, arguably, two of the biggest forces in wrestling. One of them catapulted one company, the other catapulted the other company, and they clashed. No, in the middle of the card. Billy and Chuck. But, versus the APA, the Dudley boys, uh, and the Hardy boys. All right, say what you will. Uh, Of course, Rock versus Hogan. That, to me, was one of the most spine-tingling matches in the history of, the, of wrestling. And then Triple H versus Chris Jericho, which, whatever. But uh, you had some of the most iconic names in all of wrestling from the past, from the previous five to ten years, coming together dream match after dream match. It's WrestleMania 18, best show of all time. I remember watching it. Were you
2: there with me? We went to... Uh, no. Uh, sh- no, I wasn't there. What was it called? Sure. Sh- was it Shoney's? No. What was that place? Shoney's in Ackworth, Georgia, man.
1: <laughs> what was that place called? Yankee Doodles. Yankee Doodles. It was no, Yankee. It was why are they called it Shoney's? That's weird. I
2: don't know. You fat bastard. Um, it was a Yankee Doodles. No, I didn't go. Surrounded by marks. I don't think I went. Marks
1: everywhere. I watched
2: WrestleMania nineteen, I think, with you at a friend's house. Friendo's house. Yes. Um... But here's the thing. WrestleMania 18, I guess, generally speaking, isn't even considered the best WrestleMania. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. That's 19.
1: Yeah, well, whatever. Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. This right here had the dream match lineup. And not all the matches hit. They rarely do. WrestleMania 19, they talk about that Kurt Angle-Brock Lesnar match. Yeah, I love seeing a guy almost decapitate himself. That's fun. Well, everything
2: before that was fantastic. But here's the correct answer. If you want to see the power of in-ring storytelling... At its fullest, overrated, no, the best pure three hours of wrestling storytelling to probably ever exist is Survivor Series 98, Deadly Games.
1: Uh, Before you continue, can I just remind you and everybody at home, you're about to espouse the virtue of Vince Russo's typewriter. That's fine. Please continue.
2: What do I say? Every band has one good song in them. (laughs) There you go. This is Vince Russo's greatest, one great song, as Mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned, because top to bottom, uh, in terms of storytelling, in terms of I mean, it, it was a tournament all in one night to determine the WWF champion. Mm-hmm. Going into this, The Rock had more or less turned face. He was he was on the way up, uh, nearly challenging Stone Cold in terms of popularity. Uh, mankind, Mick Foley had aligned himself with the McMahon's, um, and and the it seemed like everything was in place for him. To finally claim what had eluded him his entire career the WWF title, um, and so uh, The Rock and Mankind seemed to be on a collision course. Nonetheless, it didn't it didn't lessen the drama in any way of all the other matches, and there were a lot of them. There were thirteen on the main card. There was the, way too many matches. No, because storytelling wise, it was great. Um, the finish, uh, the last match, the finals was The Rock versus Mankind one of the great double turns in wrestling history where The Rock turned heel again, yeah. aligned himself with the McMahons, and in, in a finish reminiscent of Survivor Series 97, put Mankind the sharpshooter. Vince called for the bell. The Rock, heel Rock, is your WWF champion, his first WWF championship. Top to bottom, great storytelling. The, 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 the master team, The Rock and Mankind, was great. Everything about the show is great. Best pay-per-view ever, best wrestling show ever.
1: Of course, we're both wrong. It's actually Wrestle War 1990, <coughs> which was Wild Thing. Wild
2: Thing. Yeah, that was the best. Look at that poster.
1: Look at Ric Flair, le- little Lex Luger down here with a yeah, why is he, shadow.
2: Why is he posing in front of Ric Flair's chest?
1: I mean, if you take this picture to its logical conclusion, Ric Flair is eventually going to turn back around. I mean, Lex Luger is going to turn back around, and at that point, he's... Six inches away from Ric Flair's unders. Yeah. From his front area. Yeah. That's a great poster there. You should put it on the, when you cut this. You okay. You put it on the thing. Well, I thought you were taking over the show. Uh, well, once I get once I get all set up, I'll let you know when I take over the show. I should take it over now just so I have it, so you don't give me any more guff now that you're offering it up. Right. I
2: just want to a conversation about the yeah.
1: Anyways, I want to know what they're like in the comments, please. I'm legitimately curious. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. To know what
2: other people's Because there might be stuff that people suggest that I've never seen. Yeah.
3: Um...
1: Next up, we have Lawrence Eaton. Let's see what Lawrence has to say.
3: What's going on, friendos? The beardless bludgeon brother, Lawrence Eaton here, for my very first Patreon question. Today, I would like to know, after WrestleMania 34, do you think that if Big Cass came back as a heel with Enzo Amore, that they would be more over as a heel tag team than a face tag team? Thanks, friendos. Too sweet. Thank you, Lawrence.
2: Thank you.
1: Uh I gotta go first, right? yeah, okay
2: um this is a tough argument for me, but I'm gonna say maybe Ooh. qualified yes, and here's the thing uh I don't think they should reunite as a tag team, just as heels now. I think there's there's enough the uh, heat between them still that on this I think they should work together. i think the par- the relationship they should have is something uh, more in line with uh h b k and diesel. Not dudes with attitude. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. when Diesel first showed up. Yeah, sure. So bodyguard. Yes. So when uh, uh, Enzo is on 205 Live, he comes out with Cass. He's his muscle, his bodyguard. Um, so that Enzo can get heel heat uh, utilizing Cass at his size, rather than have to talk for 15 minutes, making him turn the channel off. On Raw, Enzo can serve as Cass's mouthpiece still. And help him during matches. Enzo they, can go to Cass and say, Here, look, I'm not dead weight anymore. Here's the cruiserweight tile to prove it. I've won more championships than you have. Let's shake hands. We don't have to tag anymore, but let's work together so we can both advance. And they can still have some tension. It could be an interesting dynamic. Um, their days of being a tag team are done for the foreseeable future. Them as a heel tag team, as a non starter, in three years, if they will not get back together as a face tag team for nostalgic purposes, cool, whatever. People might pop for that. I don't think I'd care. Um, But just to put them back together as a tag team and make them heal, people are going to poop all over it. It needs to be a different dynamic if it's going to advance them at all. It's going to help them get over. Um, And I think this sort of relationship might achieve that. Um, And again, it's the formula. Quality heel run gets popular enough people appreciate the work can translate into eventual face turn and huge face run.
1: All right, no, it, no, it, they got to be a face. They just go back to what they were doing before. And on the trajectory that we all kind of thought we were going to get before is Enzo's manager, Cass' single star. But it's got to start with them being a tag team again. And here's how you do it. What do we know about Enzo More? He likes to talk. Yeah, he's also very poisonous in terms of his relationships with people. True. Seemingly off screen and on screen. Um. So eventually, his storyline in 205 Live should be that he burns every possible bridge, and he has the entire—not just the, the opportunists like uh, what does Davari call himself? Davari De Niro. Yeah. Um. Not just you know him, uh, Gulak, all these guys who are kind of sucking up Denzel a little bit. Opportunists. Eventually, he's even going to poison the well with them, and so he's going to have the entire contingent against him he's not going to be able to swim out of it this time and so what we're going to have is Cass's return right as Enzo right as Enzo is about to get his final violent comeuppance from the entire locker room Cass comes in sprays Raid on those little ants just, just swats them all away cuz he's giant picks up Enzo in his arms and he carries him away because eventually Enzo's going to be so pathetic that he's going to have to be a face because people are going to feel for him. Because when you piss so many people off, eventually you're just going to feel for the guy because nobody likes him. Nobody is going to hate a guy who doesn't have any friends. That's just sad, right? And so Cass comes in. He picks them up. He saves them. They become a tag team. Enzo repents. He asks for forgiveness. I want my friend. Nobody's ever going to take Cass as a heel because it just doesn't work. Didn't work last time, and it's not going to work again. He's too, I think naturally, he's probably just too sweet of a guy. The heel doesn't work for him. So put him back where they were as a tag team. Have them win the damn gold, because they never had them do yeah, that. Yeah, should have done that. See, See where it. they can, well, I mean, that's license print money right there. See what they can milk out of that, and then eventually transition Enzo into a managerial role for a cast have Cass go on a single. They love their big man. Have Cass feud with I don't know Braun or whatever.
2: That's why I like my scenario of of, of when when Enzo is wrestling Cass is his bodyguard, and when when uh, Cass is wrestling, then Enzo is more or less his manager. That way he's kind of mm-hmm. having cake needed eat it too.
1: Yeah, that's good. It's all good stuff. Just it's not going to work as a heel. No, tag. probably not. Next up we have uh, Pretty Boy Adam Mayhem. Let's see what he has to say.
3: Buenas tardes, friends of the university. Bienvenidos to another edition of Chit Chat with the champ here at the crack of Dawn because who needs sleep? Exactly. Anyway, Steven Larson, got a question for you. Been wondering about everybody that has been coming up from NXT, people that were extremely over at NXT. You know, you got your Ty Dillinger's, your Bobby Roode's, your Nakamura's, and and your Joes, you know, people that were super over and how when they come up to Maine, they don't feel the same. They they feel not as important. Joe feels very important, but we'll we'll go back to that one. But here's the thing. Do you guys think that the reason why that's happening it's because of the recorded nature of NXT, where you would see Nakamura, for example, once a month, and you would have a takeover once every three months, so every time he would come out, like it's a big deal, rather than having a show every week where if you don't see him, you're like, oh, he's getting buried because they're not using him, tie Dillinger. Now, Joe, for example, you don't see him a lot, which I still think creates that, that mystique, so, did you guys think that the the issue is with the seeing every wrestle every week and then at NXT is is just once a month? And which one is better? Have a good one, guys.
2: Thank you, Adam Mayhem.
1: Thank you, Adam Mayhem. I'm sorry I was not able to attend Chaos on Claude Avenue. Nor mm-hmm. was I. I've been sick yeah. for a while. One day we're going to get out. We're yeah, going to get out there. We'll put the H title on you. Um, anyways, uh, to his question, NXT call-ups. Yeah, you start. Yeah. Um, No, it's not that they're not on TV every week. Or it's not that, you know... In NXT,
2: they weren't on TV every week. Right, exactly. It's just, it's,
1: it's creative. That's why they don't, you know... That's why they don't... Look, Kevin Owens, every single week, he feels special. Because Kevin Owens has been around long enough. Kevin Owens is creative enough. Kevin Owens is smart enough to take whatever it is creative might give him. And something tells me, and this is intuition... Something tells me Kevin Owens is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I had the word on the tip of my tongue. A genius? That. I think he's a really smart guy, but I think he takes the initiative backstage. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I hate this word, I think he's proactive yeah. backstage with creative. He probably comes up with a slew of ideas when he's on the road, if he's not driving and he's not talking about wrestling, which apparently everybody who's driven with him says he talks endlessly about the business. He's always on Twitter, interacting with fans. We've seen that. I think he's coming up with ideas, and I think when he gets to the show, he probably goes to creative and says, "Hey, I have an idea to do this," and they probably say, "Okay, that sounds like a really good idea. We'll throw it to Vince, and Vince will prove it."
2: Here's the algorithm so far with NXT talents. This is what it is: um, if your first feud out of NXT is with a upper mid card or, or main event caliber wrestler. Uh, instantly, you have an aura about you mm-hmm. that makes you feel special. Kevin Owens, for yeah. example. Uh, Smojo's first feud was going to be against Seth Rollins until mm-hmm. he hurt him, which actually gave Smojo—I mean, to interrupt you—but just thought of this—Smojo an air of actual danger because mm-hmm. he yeah. hurt somebody. Yeah. Um, Finn Balor instantly first Universal Champion, whereas uh, Nakamura first feud mid Carter Dolph.
1: Yeah, Bobby Roode.
2: Yeah, Carter Dolph. That's that that's. I, I kind of feel like if you if you just look at who got called up and who they feud with first. There's a reason why some NXT cops feel special and some kind of don't. Some yeah. lose their luster. And I think it's because of their first feud. They, it, just, it doesn't feel special. The first
1: impression with these things are everything. Yeah. They really are. And even you look at they're now trying to backtrack with Asuka because <clears throat> it turns out. And I was, I was willing to defend the, the idea of her going in there with Emma and having an actual match. And it, it did not feel special. You know, it didn't feel special. They tried to do They they tried to build it up to those cool video packages, and those were those were pretty effective. If she had gone in there against a top caliber opponent, if she went there against Bailey or Sasha and immediately destroyed him. That would have been fantastic. Yep. That would have been something special. Yep. You know, and and even there's there's nobody there's nobody who can't recover. There's nobody that like a Sasha like a Bailey who can't recover from a loss like that. Brock Lesnar. Had the most high-profile squash loss against Goldberg, and look at him. He's totally fine. They can handle the loss yep. if it means putting over somebody who's a dominant opponent, and then you have to come back from that and you yep. use that through a series
2: of get that's, that's a set-up story for later on. Exactly. I'm happy you mentioned Brock Lesnar because I think he's an example of, of, of what uh, Adam Mayhem is talking about on the main roster where he's seen as a special attraction. He's on TV every week, mm-hmm. and so when he shows up, it's a huge deal. And I don't know if that's necessarily the intention of NXT. I think it's just the nature of how they have to shoot the show. And since it's only an hour long, you can't have, you know, like when Finn was champ, he can't be on the show every week. Yeah. Drew's not on the show every week. Um, So when you see him once or twice a month, it feels important. Oh, the champ's here. I got to pay attention. For real. For sure. Or when Aleister Black's on now. You know something cool is going to happen. Um, yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, part of it is Aleister Black. Yeah, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> a him, I know. <laughs> he's there
1: but everywhere. but
2: when he but when he he's off TV for a while, he shows up. You're like, oh, cool. I get to experience this again. That's my point.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas on the main roster, pretty much everybody's on TV ninety percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so there is it it it, it feels it, a routine sets in and it feels normal. And and especially when you're used to these NXT stars only showing up on you know. Uh, uh, semi-monthly uh, occasions, and especially when the creative is not that great, yeah. the luster comes off real quick. It's, I mean, dude, it's, it's a. We can
1: we can agree on this one. It's a combination of things, and what what you're saying is true. Because you know the, the the old adage of you know absence makes the grow fonder. fonder is absolutely true. Um, it doesn't. It also helps quite a bit that with NXT. Their creative is top notch. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. I, I actually have no doubt that if Aleister Black was to be on TV every week, if Drew McIntyre was on TV every week, we'd get something interesting every mm-hmm. time. Because, and also they pack so much into that hour that every second they get really they make every they second make with matter, everybody yeah. Yeah. count. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Next up from the Cat Daryl Takahashi.
2: How's it going, Stephen Larson and many friends out there? It's the Cat Daryl Takahashi.
3: My question. Our mad chat this week is, when Asuka eventually captures
2: the Raw Women's Championship, do you feel she should go on another anxiety type run where she just doesn't lose? Or do you feel she should find some struggle on the main roster and lose it once in a while? Thanks, boys. Thank you, Daryl Takahashi. Thank you.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say no. But I get to go first. to say oh. yes. No, it
2: works so well in NXT. Yeah, establish Asuka as a dominant force. Yep. And granted, I don't think I don't know if she can hold the belt for 500 or be undefeated for 500 or something days and hold the belt for more than a year. But uh, give her heck, yeah. Why not? Give her a year-long reign, undefeated reign with a belt. Yes, do it. Have her beat most of her opponents, if not all of them, in, in, in dominant fashion. Make her seem like the mountain that no one is able to climb. So when someone eventually does, which we d- talked about a couple of weeks ago, I believe, who should be the one to finally beat Asuka, it instantly, at least in theory, at that moment at least, catapults whoever beats Asuka into the upper echelon. They are a massive star because they are the ones who finally uh, beat Asuka. So not only during that year-long process or year-and-a-half, how long she's undefeated on the main roster and has a belt, uh, not only are you elevating Asuka and you're elevating the, the title because it's on a dominant <laughs> champion, whoever eventually beats her is going to be elevated as well. So you're elevating two talents and a belt in the process of one storyline potentially. Um, I mean, the difficult part is once you have whomever beat Asuka, what you do afterwards in terms of maintaining that momentum and not just kind of uh, squandering a potential opportunity to create another huge superstar, potentially on the same cal- uh, of the same caliber as Asuka. but yes, absolutely, they should do it. It was huge in NXT. It worked massively there. I see no reason why it can't work massively on the main roster.
1: I think my gut agrees with you, but I'm going to make the case that we've already seen that, and we've already we already know what it's like not to really have any drama behind an undefeated streak. Well, the,
2: the drama, I guess. And this first go-around would be okay. Oscar's next T in, you know, the perception of most people think most people's minds is that it's still developmental. This is the main roster. The, the competition is going to be here's, of a higher caliber. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. She goes
1: on maybe like a three-month undefeated streak, right? And it wouldn't be anybody on main roster right now. You'd have to debut somebody kind of in the way they debuted Braun Strowman. Remember how they did? Yeah, Braun John was he was in. NXT, not as Braun Strowman as a Rosebud. Like yeah, once. he a couple
2: of periods, right? yeah.
1: But this was a brand new guy, fresh, straight to main roster, a yep. new guy, right? So it can't be anybody like Nia Jax, Sasha Banks. It can't be any of those people, right? It has to be somebody brand new, somebody fresh. I'm thinking like a Jazzy Gabert or something like that. You know what I mean? It has to be somebody who can really... Because we've seen Asuka has benefited already from the NXT undefeated streak. It would be so shocking if somebody brand new came up, not even from NXT, but like from the Mae Young Classic is fine. I, I'm, I, can't, I don't even know who necessarily. I think of Jazzy Gabriel because she's huge. She's Braun-esque, you know? So if you're going to do it with somebody, do it with somebody like that yeah. who can come in like a monster and manhandle the women's division. Because whoever beats Asuka in a shocking manner like that Will electrify the women's division. Then you'll get the sense of dread that we didn't get, mm-hmm. that we should have got when Oscar was announced as coming to RAW because we
2: never got that. No, and that should have been the case. Instead, of people lining up to face her.
1: Exactly. Everybody should have been freaked out by that yeah. when they revealed like her video package. It should have been. I mean, that they should never. I. I, I I'm not going to say that they messed it up. I just didn't think they. They debuted her on main as effectively as as it should have been. There could have
2: been a whole lot uh, more mystique around her debut. And beyond the video packages, there was virtually none.
1: Remember when Finn showed up to Raw the first time in the brand split? It felt so special.
2: Yeah. It felt, and
1: that's what it should have been with Asuka. And you can still take advantage of a mini undefeated streak. Let's say a three to six month undefeated streak. And maybe she gets the title, but it doesn't have to be for 500 days. You can still take advantage of that. Maybe she clears out the current main roster division. And, I mean, that's kind of saying, yeah, an undefeated streak. But have somebody else come up and immediately destroy her and everybody is put on notice. I think that could be an effective way to – because, like, she has to lose eventually. She has to lose eventually. Might as well do it during the middle of a streak that you think is going to be 500 days, but it's really like 200 days. Yeah. So that's my take. We're kinda of splitting here by about hundred days. Can't always it's not always black and white people. No.
3: Uh Next. yeah. From Ben Kirkwood. Let's see what Ben has to say. Hey friend. this is Ben Kirkwood here. Um my matchup question is it seems like it's been a really long time since the broken gimmick has been in the you know, wrestling world. Um I'm wondering if Steve, do you think if it uh, came back. It would be as popular, or maybe its time has passed. And Lars and I want you to maybe say it should stay in TNA, um, you know, and maybe it should have been a thing that happened last year, and it wouldn't be any use anymore, and it wouldn't be popular. Uh, thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, wonderful, Benjamin. Yeah, oh yeah, wonderful. No, no, it's 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 dead and buried. It, it's it's dead and buried. You can't do it anymore. You can't do it anymore, man.
2: It's not good. That's all you gonna say?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I don't know. The, the the look. The fans would still, the fans would still mark out. But it's kind of obvious at this point that they're not gonna let him do. I'm and here's the thing. I'm sure when Jeff Hardy went down with injury, Matt Hardy probably presented them Vince whoever a laundry list of possibilities for him to do something as a solo act. And do something along the lines. I mean, look, you and I have had the idea for a while now to take the broken thing to the next level. And given Matt Hardy's Twitter feed, his 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 output on Twitter, talking about awoken, woke, I think there's been any number of other you know adjectives or whatever they're called. Um, what are the adverbs? If I'm broken, that's an adjective. Yeah. I'm sure he's had any number of ideas. I just don't think that they they're interested anymore. And if they were somehow to get the broken thing, I mean, I don't know what it would ta- I don't know what it would take. I don't know if, if Anthem would sell it to WWE or what. Um, I'm sure the fans would mark out, but at this time, it's like I, I don't have faith that the WWE would let him do what needs to be done for the broken thing. I'm sure that he's wanted to do something along the lines of it. But I just know that, look, would the fans mark out if they let him do what the broken thing was? Maybe. Maybe. But at this point, God, he's jobbed so much as a singles competitor. I'm not sure it would have the same impact as it would have six months ago.
2: No, him jobbing sets up the broken gimmick. Um, I'll I'll kind of half agree with you. It's not going to be as, as huge potentially as it would have been if they had been able to get the rights for that or settled the rights a few before they debuted. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I do think that if if Matt Hardy were to somehow get the broken gimmick, enough time has now passed where it would almost kind of be a, 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 a nostalgic thing now. It would if if be nostalgic but for something he only did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: and the WWE would definitely be interested in it if they think it could make them some money. Um, I think it once the, the second that Matt Hardy gets... The rights to that IP, they're gonna start printing off broken T-shirts all over the place.
3: Yeah, um,
2: and the the delete chants are not what they used to be mm-hmm. when they uh, came back at WrestleMania, but they're still there. Um, he's still inserting just enough of the broken character into his promo work to keep it alive, just in case uh, he somehow gets the rights to it and can start using it. Um, so I don't think it. Could it, it would if he were to get the rights, it would be as popular as huge as it could have been, but it would still be modestly popular, and would give him something to do. The uh, the problem is, I'm sure he would go to Vince or whomever in creative and say, "Here, I have all these ideas," and he probably would be able to do any of them. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably going to be the real roadblock whether he gets the IP or not.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I know that that's exactly what it is. It, it's sad because you know the, the WWE just won't. <coughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do imagine that he's probably given them a laundry list of ideas mm-hmm. of what they can do, and they've just said, no, we're good. We're gonna, you, you're, you're a great nostalgia act. You guys can still go. Jeff is still great. We might push him to the moon someday. But, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to be happening anytime soon. Nope. Uh, Martin Garcia has a question. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. Martin here again. WCW has done a lot of stuff. they impacted the wrestling business. But there's two moments that everyone says is disrespect. What's the most disrespectful moment in wrestling history and for wrestling that WCW did? Was it Jay Leno putting a hold on Hulk Hogan back in those wild hog days or
2: David Arquette winning the WCW title? You guys debate it. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin.
1: Oh, well, i got to go first. Oh, you're going to go first? Yeah, I, I can. Ahead.
2: All right, so I just did a, a little bit of research into, uh, uh, was it Road Wild 98, <laughs> which saw uh, Jay Leno... Was it Road Wild or Hog Wild? Road Wild. Road Wild. Hog Wild was before. So that, that was the thing, okay. It was a name before, I believe, Okay. Yeah, they changed to Road Wild. Um, uh, Jay yeah. Leno teamed yeah. up with Diamond Dallas Page yeah. to take on Hollywood Hogan and Eric Bischoff at Road Wild 98. In Sturgis, South Dakota, uh, during the motorcycle rally there, because Eric Bischoff loves himself so much. He motorcycle.
1: loved motorcycles.
2: He loved motorcycles.
1: Wasn't Jay Leno wearing sweatpants?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is actually a reason for it to be, like, for me to give <laughs> a thumbs up. I'd want to wrestle with sweatpants, sweatpants too. Yeah. So, you know, they involved tonight's show in this angle, which uh, if you look at it kind of in a vacuum, you think, okay, well, you're, you're using the top-rated uh, late-night show to push storyline. That's great exposure for the company. Um, but then you uh, utilize uh, someone in their 50s in Jay Leno. Not Hogan. <laughs> Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> to, be a, to be a competitor. I honestly didn't know who you are referring to. Uh, to be a competitor in this match, who in fact has zero wrestling experience. I don't even know if he is in any way a fan of this sport. Uh, much less appreciates it on any level. But, because of that, I would say that's in a lot of ways, and many more, which I'll get to, the, the Jay Leno experiment, I think, was kind of a precursor uh, <coughs> to the Arquette thing, in that they saw how kind of successful it was.
1: I feel like you want to throw up talking about it. <laughs> I kind of <this>. do.
2: <coughs> how kind of successful it was? I ran out of water. That's the problem. Yeah. And thought, okay, well, let's take it to another level, potentially. Because I did a little looking into it.
1: Okay. What's your research show you? Um, the
2: 365,000 people purchased Road Wild 98, which was down for the previous month's pay per view Bash of the Beach, but in comparison to the previous two Road Wilds, 97, or sorry, 97, the previous one, and the one after, was a significant improvement. Okay. Road Wild 97, 240,000 buys. Uh, Road Wild 99, 235,000 buys. So I was curious, okay, when Arquette won the belt and he had that match where he defended it in that giant cage. K- Cage thing, what did that do? Sixty-five thousand. I don't know how many people were really paying attention to WCW at the time. <laughs> yeah. Granted, I know it got a lot of mainstream oh, exposure. I see, I see Vince point. was yeah. saying, or Vince Russo was saying, "Oh, uh, we got on the cover of USA Today. It's great exposure for the company, so on and so forth." Uh, be that as it may, uh, the only people who really look at USA Today are, are, are business travelers And hotels um, who might not even care about wrestling, anyway. Yeah, and I don't know how many people who watch the Tonight Show care about wrestling, but I would. Think maybe I don't know I'm not 100 percent that the uh, audience for the tonight show was greater than the circulation of USA Today. Therefore, more people probably made aware of Jay Leno's wrestling experience than may, might have been aware of David Arquette uh, uh, winning the championship. And anyways, by that time, Slambury 2000. It seems like no one was really paying attention to WCW. Anyways, whereas people, this is the midst of the Monday Night War, Roadwall '98, the true. heights of it. Yeah. People were paying attention to wrestling. Yeah. By 2000, summer of 2000, WWF. Was fully ensconced as the victor of the Monday Night Wars. They hadn't purchased the company yet; that would happen yeah. about six months later. But in '98, it was still competitive. Yeah. And the the embarrassment of having Jay Leno in the ring against Hulk Hogan and putting holds on him. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. So I would say that was probably, the, in some respects, the more significant embarrassment to WCW. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, this was one, this was <laughs> kind of tough because that point. So here's the thing. Getting him on The Tonight Show, great. What your, your, your point about the Systick is, is they did a good job selling a pay-per-view with a huge celebrity. They got on The Tonight Show. I think that's fantastic. The Tonight Show kind of legitimized WCW, I would think, to a lot of people, mainstream attention. You know, who, who's going to turn that down? Um. Your one point about Leno putting holds on Hogan is is that's 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 your best point because there's no way he should be in there with Hogan but also the product that WCW was presenting at the time if that many people were buying it then they're buying into the idea that celebrities can get in there and wrestle and tassel with other wrestlers. So, if you're buying into that universe, then it's not really disrespecting the universe to be doing that.
2: Here, I'm, I'm going to counter with this. So, um, two previous pay-per-views to Road Wild '98 um, got 299,000, 290,000, 580,000 uh, buys respectively. The pay-per-view after Road Wild, 275. Yeah. Yeah, the one after that, 310, 250. It just goes downhill from there. Yeah. So Leno popped ratings. He brought people in. Doesn't seem like people were sticking around. It seemed like people were starting to flee at that juncture. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <coughs> you can draw. On the other hand, you had David Arquette
1: as WCW champion. At the end of the day, boy, I use that term a lot. Celebrities come into wrestling, celebrities leave. If Ronda Rousey shows up to the WWE, you can damn well be sure that she's going to be pinning whoever it is she's facing off against. Would you consider that disrespectful? I probably would. Does it bring in a lot of eyeballs well, and a lot of money? A Hold on, Ronda, Ronda, Ronda Rousey. I'm in the middle.
2: I'm in the middle of, of my experience at fight sports versus a guy they brought up from behind the
1: desk who I wrestles and sweatpants. Am pants. I allowed Period. to talk? Am I allowed to I'm talk? talk? He's interrupting me. I'm done. All right. <laughs> Leno was just the latest in a long line of celebrities who showed up in pro wrestling, did something, and left, you know, the fans. The fans, just, they understand this is a stupid celebrity, blah, 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 blah. David Arquette wore the same belt that Ric Flair wore, that Harley Race wore, that Terry Funk wore, that Orville Brown wore, that... uh it
2: was the same belt Orville Brown wore.
1: Well, although they had the
2: lineage, had the lineage. I
1: that sting sure. war that uh, I don't know who uh, the Briscoe brothers wore, not the current Briscoe brothers, but Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Bob Briscoe, William Briscoe, Dory Funk, Orville Briscoe, Dory Funk, uh, Rick Flair, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Dusty Rhodes, um, Triple H, Booker T, Lex Luger, Lex Luger, Ron Simmons. Vader. Vader. Thank you. I was looking for Vader. Sid. <laughs> David Arquette wore that same belt. That's a stain. That's a butt stain on the lineage of the NWA title. Uh, was the name? Tim Storm. That's a, that's a nasty booty stain on the lineage of the most prestigious title in the history of pro wrestling. That is far more disrespectful and disgusting than... Then just another celebrity coming in, putting on a couple holds on Hulk Hogan, who's well past his prime. Who really cares? Everybody goes home and they've seen, you know, a fun little fight. David Arquette, a D-level comedian, movie actor, comes in and has the belt around his waist. Same belt that
2: Orville Brown wore. Or the same belt. Here's another thing, though. Uh, David Arquette won that belt on episode of Thunder, which no one watched. Yeah. He uh, defended the title at a pay per view. At a
1: pay per view
2: that no one watched. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think people cared at that point. No one one cared at that point. The belt has lineage.
2: I understand that. The question is, 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 is which uh, match was a stain on the belt, It's in the stain of the company of WCW?
1: What matters is lineage, because at the end of the day, you can look at the lineage. And be like, wow, what a proud, fantastic! What the f- Vince Russo had this title—that's disgusting—and he diarrhea goes everywhere. Just a horrible scene, blood, pus. It's nasty. It's gross. This is just having guys having fun, road wild, bitch off likes motorcycles. Who doesn't? Oh, I want to be in a gang. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> So anyways, the answer is David Arquette, because it affects the lineage, which actually matters. Look, man, Jay Leno, who else got... Millions of people have gotten in the ring. Lots of people have gotten in the ring. Mr. T got in there with freaking, what's his face, Roddy Piper. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying.
2: Mr. T was a a boxer, I think, though. Yeah. He won tough man competitions.
1: Yeah, maybe. Anyways, we've got one more video question. Do we? Yeah, we do. Oh, it just just came in came in. Yep. From who? We got one from Bobby. Let's see what Bobby has to say.
3: Hey, friendos. Bobby Minza here with another Matt Jack question. Uh, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Heel-to-face turn or face-to-heel turn? Which one's better? Which one's more enjoyable? And which one do we all pop for more? Have a good one, guys. Too sweet. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. It's
1: face-to-heel because, man, I just remember I have a better – more ingrained memory about some of the all-time heel turns heel turns that I've witnessed in my life you said it earlier in the show survivor series 98 the greatest show in professional wrestling history when rock turned heel hulk hogan turning heel and you saw the response that got steve austin that eh, didn't really that went over like a wet fart in the history of pro wrestling Heel turns. That's why you like the word heel, the phrase heel turn, even as one that you just think of more when you think, oh a turn face turn nobody wants to turn face cares about that. Heel turn. That's the you know, there's those are more iconic in the history of professional wrestling. I think of some of the great heel turns.
2: Orville Brown. Oh goodness. Farmer Brown. I don't know if he worked heel or face at all.
1: <laughs> I have Do they even have that back then? Do I don't even know. know. I, I don't have know. no idea what they did. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know either. Back then, um, are you N- done? N- N.W.O. Wolfpack.
2: No, that's a that's a face turn. Um, yeah, I'm done. It's heel, heel turn. turn. Come on, it's heel turn. Heel turns are more shocking, but a good face turn is name one more satisfying. Name one. Uh, Stone Cold turning face. Launching him as a superstar superstardom as much as Bret Hart.
1: What when he turned tweener?
2: When yeah, when
1: he, that's not really uh, a
2: the rock. Turn. When see the thing is, is is heel turns are sudden and dramatic and shocking. Yeah, really good face turns are gradual. Yeah. it's the formula I talk about. Uh, a, a really well executed heel run when you when the crowd starts to appreciate your work as a heel starts to embrace your heel work. That it's impossible, impossible for you to be heel any longer. Name some iconic face turns. New Day. So here's the thing. That's what I'm saying.
1: They're not dramatic. The good ones, the great ones, aren't dramatic. And what do you tune or turn into? Tune
2: into pro wrestling for the drama, storytelling. The drama. And when you see the New Day turn heel, because the crowd just can't. They just love the New Day so much that that, that a face turn just can't be denied. The Rock. After Survivor Series 98, people loved his, even before, loved his work so much. He was so entertaining. The crowd said, nope, we're not going to boo you anymore. We're going to cheer you. Just seeing that evolution, that process happen, is so satisfying. When people get to that point where they're so huge that that face turn just elevates them to superstardom. It's so satisfying to watch and so much fun. That's why I prefer it. They're not as shocking, not as dramatic.
1: It's heel turn because it's drama, it's moments, it's memories, it's the heel turn. That's what it is.
2: Anyway. Face turns lead to more money uh, for the company and the respect respective stars. Well yeah, I man!
1: It's merchandise. People yep. love, it. people want to wear. So face for wrestlers,
2: stuff. I'm sure they prefer the face turn. Well, that's probably true.
1: Anyways, that's it for Matt Chat. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. If you guys want to be on the show, it's easy. Pony up twenty bucks. And until uh, next time, we'll talk you guys later. Bye.